Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks to the worship band. They, those guys uh, and gals practice sometimes double and triple the time that it takes for us to sing that worship set. And uh, just thank you to Michael and his leadership uh, today. And to all of you that serve in that capacity, I hope. It's really, it ministers to us. It helps us engage in worshiping our great and holy and loving God in a, in a much easier fashion because you guys uh, are, are so well-equipped, so gifted. And so we want to thank you uh, for serving in that way at Hope. Uh, it's really appreciated. And you guys are very good. <laughs> um, my name is Cor Shemleski. Many of you may have come and flipped open that worship folder and, and saw this foreign name and uh, wondered... What happened to Steve Treichler today? And uh, I've experienced that going to other churches, and you're, you're coming expecting a certain speaker, expecting a cer- certain style of speaking, and then you get this other name, and you just kind of, your excitement level might drop a little bit, and that's okay. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm a seminary intern. Uh, I, I am currently attending classes at, at Bethel Seminary in Arden Hills in hopes of becoming something at some time in the future. And so, uh, so maybe your, your excitement level should drop because of that. Um, uh, I have a wife named Jill and a son named Drew. My wife is the one that, that loves Christmas. I don't know if you, there, there's this kind of phantom person going around hope that just loves Christmas and starts celebrating in like July and August. And that's true, that's my wife. I know her, I live with her. We say Merry Christmas to one another in late August. It's no lie, we start watching movies in September. You know, Christmas Story, Christmas Vacation, you know, White Christmas, A Wonderful Life. We watch, we watch them all like, like half a dozen times before Christmas even starts setting in for most of you. So, uh, but I love her. She is a great woman of God. And, and if you're feeling bad for her now that the season is over, it's just 166 days, just a mere 166 days before we celebrate half Christmas, okay? <laughs> so if you're around on June 25th and you want to come by our house, we'll be celebrating half Christmas. Uh, my son... Uh, his name Drew, and he's, he's four months old now. And uh, for those of you that are parents, I mean, wow. What a gift from God that we're allowed to be a part of somebody's life like that. I mean, what a gift. My son is just beautiful. And, and my brother-in-law said uh, when he came out, he, just, he, just, he was just life. And that was so true. He just has so much life, and he's just so beautiful. And reflects God in a number of ways. Not when he's crying in the middle of the night, but in so many other ways, just reflects God. Uh, that's a little bit of who, who I am and, and where I'm at right now. Uh, just invite you to pray with me now as we begin our time together. Father, uh, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. He is your holy son, the one you've given us to be able to come to you. He's the one who intercedes on our behalf who serves us, God, by laying down his life, by being nailed to a cross, that we might experience a life lived in communion with God. It'd be impossible any other way, God, but in your wisdom, you sent your son to die for us, that we might be reconciled and have peace with you. It is you we worship today, It is you we come before. We give our attention to you right now. We open up our hearts to you, God. We open up our minds. We want you, God, now in this time to speak to us, corporately as a church, 
and individually, God. Meet us where we're at. And may Your words be powerful, God, to us in this time. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. There's a phrase that we use uh, in my family uh, when we're out. Typically it happens when we're out on the golf course. And that phrase is, we didn't come here to tap dance. I don't know if there are any tap dancers in the crowd now, maybe a couple. No, no offense to those who do tap dance, but uh, how we use this phrase is, is typically we're on the golf course, you know, and, and we come up to a hole, and the fairway is just narrow. It's just a narrow fairway. You got like water on the left, you know, so you don't want to go that way. You got like trees all lined up on the right side. You know, it's just this long, narrow fairway, okay? And then somebody will say, you know, we're sitting there by our bag of clubs, and we're wondering what club to pull out. And then somebody, sometimes I do it, sometimes my brother, will say, we didn't come here to tap dance. And we pull out the longest club we have in our bag, the biggest driver, you know, the one that we just have no control over. <laughs> well, we didn't come here to tap dance. We came to knock the sucker out of the ball. So that's, what, that's, what, that's a phrase we use in our family. We didn't come here to tap dance. And I hope today that, that you didn't come here to tap dance either, that you're excited about getting in God's word and I hope you'll do that with me in this time. Uh, the teaching that we're, we're going to be hearing from has challenged me, and it's hard to receive sometimes. It's hard with all the struggles and the, the burdens we have on us in our lives. It's, just, it's tough sometimes to hear certain teachings. And so I caution you right now that we didn't come here to tap dance. We're going to get challenged, but, but that's okay, and, and, and we're going to just go with it. Uh, I want to start off our time with a little interaction uh, if you're taking notes, I, don't, I didn't have an insert and I didn't do that. You know, Steve likes to have nice, you know, and it's, it's well written and you can just write in, you know, number one, number two, number three, or sometimes there's blanks and stuff. And, and I didn't do that. But if you are taking notes or, or if you have a piece of paper and a pen, I want you to, to have that available right now. And uh, I want you to write something on there. And it's, it's the initials F-O-C. F-O-C. And then by that, to the left of it, I want you to write a box, okay? F-O-C and then a box. And then right below that, okay, not everybody's writing, that's okay. <laughs> God knows who, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, then, and then below that, okay, below that, I want you to write these initials, all right? B-Y-S-S-I-W, B-Y-S-S-I-W. S-S-I-W, okay? And then, 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 then put a box to the left of that, okay? So we got two things, F-O-C, and then blow it, B-Y-S-S-I-W, okay? Visual learners, here, right here, okay? Everybody got that? Visual learners? I know there's some out there. All right. Now, F-O-C, some of you might be familiar with it. That stands for follower of Christ, follower of Christ. So if you're a follower of Christ, I want you to check that box, now, it's okay if you're, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ. That's okay. Uh, I wasn't a follower of Christ seven years ago. Um, if you do through this time or have questions about becoming a follower of Christ, I'd love to talk to you after, after this time. Uh, I just love talking to people who aren't followers of Christ and, and talking why you aren't and, and maybe you could become. And so, but if you are a follower of Christ here today, I just want you to check that first box. And that means that you're going to check the second one too. Okay. So if you check the follower of Christ box, you check the next one too. I'll explain later, but the, it, it's just, it's, it's fruitless 
to check one box and not the other. Either way, if you do the FOC one and you don't check the next one, that's just, that's just wrong. And then, you know, typically in church we don't say things are wrong, but that's just wrong, okay? And uh, if you check the bottom box without checking the top box, that's, that's, just, that's just wrong too, okay? So, uh, oh, do you want to know what the second box stands for? Anybody? Second, second initials. Because you say so, I will. B-Y-S-S-I-W. Because you say so, I will. And this comes from Luke 5, verse 5, when Peter is out all night and he's, you know, fishing and they're not catching anything and they're, they're out the whole night and then, you know, the next morning Jesus comes up to him and he says, hey, Peter, why don't you, why don't you chuck your net on the other side of the boat there and let's see what we got. And, uh, and, you know, here's like Peter the fisherman and here's like, you know, Jesus, you know, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, but he's not quite sure about that. So here's Peter and he just kind of starting to follow Christ and he just says, okay, because you say so, I will. Just might have been foreign to him. Might have not understood it right away. But he just says, you're my Lord. Because you say so, I will. And that's, that's, that's my hope for us right now. Just to commit to whatever God, whatever God tells you this morning. Just to commit. God, if you tell me something, you know, because it's you who's saying it. Because I'm a follower of yours, I will. I'll do it. And so I won't take time right now, but... Think through, maybe later, the implications of checking one box and not the other, of being a follower of Christ, but not doing what God calls you to do. Okay? Or what if you do what God calls you to do without truly being a follower of Christ, then there's no relationship. It turns into uh, legalism. But I just want to start with that as a means for jumping into our text. I want to ask, if you are able, will you stand with me as we read God's word? Uh, if you're not, maybe just raise a hand to honor God in that way. I know some are unable because of uh, an inability or, or age or health issues. We're going to read right now from Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. This is God's word. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked the favor of him. What is it you want? Jesus asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Will you pray with me before we sit? God, there's your word laid before us. And God, we commit together as a people, those that are followers of you, we commit right now, we commit our hearts and our minds and our bodies to do whatever it is you call us to. Because God, it's you who says it. Because you say so. We will, God. Whatever it is, by the time we're done talking, 
God, we want to respond to your call, to the words you're giving us right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if a couple of you would continue to pray throughout the service, if I could just get a couple of hands of people that would continue to pray for our time. Anybody want to continue to pray? Thanks, Nicole, on the back. Okay, thanks. Just keep praying for our time that God would continually reveal himself to us in this time. I want to give you some context for this passage. Sometimes it helps uh, us understand it a little bit better. The first point I want to make is that this is a section in Matthew that's related to discipleship. Jesus has, has at this point kind of separate himself from the crowds, the giant crowds that would follow him, the Sadducees and Pharisees that would uh, try and uh, uh, get in his face about different issues. You know, he's, he's separated from, from them. And now he's, he's taking time to be just with the disciples. This, is, this, this passage is in the context of, of their following Jesus. It's in the, in the context of discipleship, okay? So let's be clear about that. Just related back to the introduction with the FOC and the B-Y-S-S-I-W. It's in the context of following Christ that this passage is relayed to us. Uh, James and John in there, uh, if you were here a couple weeks ago uh, or a month ago or two months ago, Pastor Steve took time to explain the different disciples. Right? We're, we're in a study of Acts uh, otherwise, and he took time to talk about James and John. And these are the sons of Zebedee, and they're called the sons of thunder because they're you know, kind of crazy and out there in certain areas and they want to call fire down from heaven and wipe these people out because they can and all this stuff. And, but, but at this point, um, what we need to know about them is, is that they're brash. And, and so this maybe not be, would not be out of their realm to come and make, you know, with their mother, make this, this bold uh, claim. Another piece is that we don't know this for sure, but it's possible that Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, and uh, these, these two guys, James and John, their mother, it's possible that those two mothers could be related. We don't know that for sure, but some of the commentaries think that these two are related. So it's possible that Jesus and James and John are cousins. Now, we don't uh, know that for sure, but just uh, another piece to throw in there. And the last, the last thing I wanted to mention was that right before this, okay, this is a pretty bold ask that they're saying, you know, we want to be at your right, at your left, in your kingdom. But it's in the context of right before... Uh, that these words are said. Now, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and said to them, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he'll be raised to life. Okay, both in this passage and the Mark passage that relays the same story, that comes right before it. And uh, chronologically, it's, it's, it's probably... Pretty accurate to say that this was known, you know, that by the disciples, that, that Jesus, you know, they don't fully understand what all that, what, what it means, but he, he's on his way to Jerusalem, which means death, which means crucifixion, means beating and, and flogging and scourging. And, and so it's in that context that these guys make this request, that the, the mother makes this request of Jesus. So coming to our passage, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked to favor him. Isn't it interesting that she kneeled down before him? Kind of a sign of humility and, and honor uh, to Jesus, and possibly it's, it's her uh, nephew. We don't know that for sure, but kind of she kneels down before him. And Jesus responds, you know, what is it that you want? She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. 
So kind of, can you just see the giant contrast there? It's like this, this mother comes down and kneels at Jesus' feet. And you can kind of probably perceive that he would kneel down or at least, you know, uh, acknowledge her with maybe a hand on the shoulder. And, and, and then she makes this giant, you know, this isn't just any other claim, you know, like, hey, you know, my sons, can, they, can you get them back by 11 or anything like that? This is like, you know, this is a giant, like in your kingdom, you know, uh, I want one at your right and at your left. And so immediately, you know, it's not so much like the attention is drawn away from her, I think, right to the sons. Like if you're, if you're big into movies and you get these kind of movie pictures in your mind, it's like you kind of see the mom who's, who's in front of the sons kind of like fade out and then all of a sudden like the, the two sons that are behind her like come into view and all of a sudden it's just like them and here's these brothers and, and I don't know, I, I had two brothers growing up and like they'd always do things to me, you know, and so I can kind of picture them kind of like doing things to each other. Like my brothers used to like draw an X on, on me and then if I didn't wipe it off, they'd like slug me. Did anybody else have a brother that did that? <laughs> it was like this cool game, but I didn't get it. And so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they just draw these X's and I couldn't get to them. But I can kind of picture James and John, these kind of sons of thunder, just kind of like hitting each other back and forth and, and roughhousing with each other. And, and here's their mom making like this giant request like, yeah, they're my sons, I want them at, at your side in your glory. And, and Jesus is kind of like, those guys? <laughs> and, and, and but then, then I think attention is taken off them to the spots at his right and at his left. You know, it goes from the mom and then attention goes to the sons and now it's like, those sons I want at your right and at your left. Can you imagine? I mean, followers of Christ, I mean, what an honor that would be to be at Jesus' right and at his left. What, an, what a high honor. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, Savior, Messiah, our friend, our Savior. What a, what a great place to be. And I was talking with my brother-in-law, Chris, about this passage, and it's interesting because he brought up the point that Jesus didn't rebuke them for the request of, of this, this glorious spot, to, to be in such an exalted spot. Didn't rebuke them. Didn't say, you shouldn't want that. You shouldn't want a place of honor in my kingdom. But what they didn't understand and what we're going to get at is, is they didn't understand the dynamic that it takes to achieve that those spots. They didn't understand what it means to be in those spots, how you get to those spots. And so we go on in the, in the, in the passage. Jesus tells them, you don't know what you're asking. He says, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? You know, what are they going to say? Yeah, we, we can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Jesus doesn't actually answer them right away. You know, can we have those spots? He doesn't say no or yes. He answers their question with a question, which if any of you have been in a Bible study with Hamlet, I mean, is this not Hamlet right here? He just, you ask him a question and he just, he answers you with a question. It's just like, Hamlet, what does this mean? Well, what do you think it means? And it's just like, Hamlet, you know, you know, what's your phone number? Well, what do you think my phone number is? It's just, you, like, even when you, you just want a straight answer, and it's so hard to get sometimes, but it's a, it's a great uh, way to teach. But, but Jesus right here, he just, he answers him with, with another question. Are you able to drink the cup? Now, the cup in, in, in the Bible doesn't 
it's, it sometimes will signify a cup that we're familiar with. Uh, many times, and I think in this case, it, it, it describes a cup of, of suffering, of sharing in the experiences that Jesus is going to go through uh, with, with what we just talked about before, uh, that he's going to be flogged, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be crucified. You know, are you able to drink the, the cup that I am? Because that cup that I'm going to drink is going to get me to a certain spot in my glory, okay? Now, the people on my right and my left, you know, are, are you, if you guys want that spot, are you going to be able to drink the cup that's going to get you to that point, you know? Are you understand what I'm saying here? It's like something's needed to get to my right and my left. It doesn't just happen. But that cup signifies a suffering. Uh, it's used in John 18, 11, when, when Jesus says, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Shall I not do this? Shall I not take this cup of, of suffering? The thing I like about this, this area is that Jesus secures a commitment prior to answering them yes or no. He says, are you willing? Are you willing to drink that cup? Okay, that's kind of what I did with you when I got you to do that initial thing. It's kind of to secure a commitment because sometimes when you hear what it's actually going to entail, then we don't want to do it because it's too much or it's too demanding or we got too much other things going on. Okay, but here he secures a commitment from them. He says, are you able to drink this cup? And so if I'm, you know, the, the John and James back here, you know, it's just like, well, if we say no, then there's no chance we get those spots. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can drink the cup. Yeah, sure. And so they just, I think, more blindly say, you know, our only chance to get those two spots in his glory is to say yes. So they say we can. And we do know from Acts that, that James does end up dying. Okay, he does end up uh, dying for, for the faith. But... Uh, the key in this passage is that uh, they say yes, but I don't think they really understand what they're getting into. So they say yes, and what is the answer that Jesus actually comes back to tell them? You've committed, but no, I don't think so. Those places are for somebody else, okay? Maybe not what they were wanting to hear, and now they're kind of suckered into this form of following Christ and serving and taking the cup, and so I'm sure they're hitting each other and blaming each other and uh, maybe blaming their mom, but I hope not. So, uh, going on, going on from here, we read, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Doesn't say why, you know, if they wanted those spots or if they just didn't think of it quickly enough, but it says they were, they were ticked off. And I think at this point, Jesus says, all right, it's, it's not just with the two, it's become kind of this, like, my whole clan here now, it kind of has this understanding of, of wanting to be first and, and wanting to have these seats of glory. So let's talk about this. And what he says to him is, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did God did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In, in this culture, it says the Gentiles, you know, that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, the high officials exercise authority over them. I don't think it's any different in our culture that, that there's a hierarchy. Uh, as we were praying this morning, Aletha brought up the word hierarchy, that, that in our culture, just as it was with them, there's a hierarchy and there's people that have status and power and titles and those people usually use their power and status to get things for themselves or to exercise authority over people. 
And Jesus takes this time to sit his disciples down and say, it's not so with you guys. You see it in your culture. You see it at your job. You see it in your school. But it's not so with you guys. And it's not supposed to be with us. Not only in our culture, but in our church. That we are, we're all followers of Christ. We're servants of God. You know, because I'm, I'm standing here and, and Laura Lee's wearing a blue hospitality shirt, we're both servants of God. There is no hierarchy. We're followers of Christ. Erwin McManus in his book, Unstoppable Force, in page 14, says that many churches, and I hope it's not true of us, but many churches have chosen comfort and convenience over servanthood and sacrifice. When we choose comfort and convenience, it's a choice to exercise authority over others because you hold back from them your gifts and your talents and your time. You, in a way, lord it over them. You, in a way, have more power because you choose your comfort and what you want to do over serving and sacrifice. And Jesus is trying to make the point, and I hope we hear it uh, today, that God's kingdom is different. It's different than you see in the world. It's different. It's no less real, but it's different. And I've, I've been trying to mull this over in my mind, and I, it's hard to get my arms and my mind around because it's, just, we're, it's so ingrained in us that if you have power, you use it to your benefit. If you have authority, you, you lord it over other people, and you keep them down and keep yourself up. And Jesus is saying, it's not that way in my kingdom, guys. If you have any sort of power, any sort of authority, anything that I've given you, whether a gifting or a time or, or a certain measure of favor and blessing, I give that to you for a purpose. I give that to you so you can give it to others, that you can serve. You can be a servant for me. You can be a vessel in which I can channel love into others that aren't receiving love from their family. Where governments let people down, I have you. I want to give you certain things so that you can be servants for them. And they don't have to depend on the government. It's a special place that, that God has called us to. And Pastor Steve hit on this a couple of years ago now. It's, he, he did a whole series on the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. Things are upside-down compared to what we see in our, our, in our culture. But because we live in our culture, it's easy to have those things ingrained into us and to start thinking the way certain people think that, that don't have the same value system as followers of Christ. Listen to some other verses. Pull, you, know, you pull these out of context, but I think it gets at the, the heart, just a list of some verses on serving and God's heart for service. Try and hear these. Luke twenty two twenty seven. I am among you, Jesus speaking, I am among you as one who serves. This is the passion of Christ, passion of God. I am among you as one who serves. John 12, verse 26. Whoever serves me, talking Jesus here, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Galatians 5, 13. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Use the freedom that you have to serve one another in love. Romans 12. 11 and 13, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord and share with God's people who are in need. 
1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. You see that? We, we have this, this, this gift that we've been given by God. And, and, and with that gift, we can, we can, you and I can serve God, can share God's grace with other people. What a blessing as a follower of Christ to be able to share with somebody God's grace in a practical, tangible form that they can touch, they can taste, they can see, they can experience. And then Ephesians 4, uh, 12 talks about the, the role of pastors and teachers. They are to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I also want to look at one final one. It's just a great passage. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as, shepherd, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will come, and he'll say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you were the ones who clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry, feed you, or see you thirsty, give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When, when did we, we never saw you that way. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Hopefully we're starting to get at the heart of God for serving others. The passion he has for those who are in need. When, when we talk about the greatest commandment, it's, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's always attached to love your neighbor as yourself. Such a great way to love God is to love somebody else, to love a neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is a great example. Verse 28, just as a son of man, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. The reason I came was to give you guys life. The reason I came and was born was so that I might die for you. I came to lay down my life for you. I came as a servant. Philippians 2, verse 7. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant. This is a hard teaching when you have young kids, when you have burdens at work, when you got like three tests next week, you know. This is a hard teaching to receive, you know. We want the privilege and we want the kind of the honor because that's, that's, what we're, we're seeking after God, who, is, who has honor. But what this passage is calling to us is something different. It's calling us to serve. And serving takes time, and it takes energy, and it's hard. Just like prayer, it's so hard. It takes energy, it takes time. But the value is worth it. It's worth it to serve others. I know of you, some of you are very involved here and other places, and, and so we're going to take some time in a little bit. To, to just allow you to sift this out with God, you know. 
I, I throw a bunch of stuff to the wall, and, and each person is going to stick to it a little bit differently. And some might hit a lot, and some not, not so much. Some might need like a 180 degree turn, and some might just need like a half a degree turn. And so I'm going to uh, invite Michael up, and he's going to just play on his guitar a little bit. And we're going to take just a couple minutes. It might be awkward for some of us to do this in the middle of a service, but we just want to take some time, okay? In your family, in your workplace, in your school, try and identify a person. Try and identify maybe something in your heart that, that keeps you from serving. Just take some time to be with the Lord and pause. And just, We just want to pause now. You're going to go home and you're going to get really busy this afternoon probably, or you're going to watch football, or you're going to do this. And we just want to take time now to solidify this word. And, and, and in a way, try and, try and get it to our hearts. It's easy to cognitively understand we should serve. There's something we ought to do. But what I'm talking about is wanting to do it because you know that you'll grow closer to Jesus Christ because of it. As followers of Christ, we're looking for things that will draw us closer to God and we'll fall more in love with him and we'll be more like him. And I think serving is just an excellent way to grow closer to God. And so try and move this from cognitively to into our hearts and then into our bodies that would actually be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. So uh, Michael's going to just play for just a couple, two to three minutes, and then I'll get back up here and keep going.
Okay, I hope the Lord has spoken to each of us individually. I want to turn now maybe to more of a corporate picture of us as a family at, at Hope and how we can apply this here. I got this shirt. Um, this, is, uh, this was given to me by uh, Ben and Brooke Johnson. We were sitting at a uh, leadership team meeting, and it was one of the last ones um, for me. Uh, and uh, we were trying to decide some, some people that we could have uh, join that team. And one of the ways we were trying to do that is just to see who was leaving. And uh, some just amazing people were, were leaving. And then ben, ben Johnson turns to me and he says, uh, Cor, you know, what do you bring to the table? You know, what are we going to mess with you? And uh, clearly, I guess uh, he told me I bring uh, nothing to the table. But uh, I just want to encourage us because uh, we can maybe feel that way sometimes. I hope he wasn't trying to be serious with that, but maybe he was. But we can maybe feel that what we have doesn't quite fit. Uh, what, what hope would be looking for. We don't have a certain gift mix or we don't have a certain personality. And I just want to say that that's, that's not the case, that there's always a place uh, for, for people to serve. And, uh, you know, church is not uh, uh, this, this kind of six-course meal where people are just uh, in positions to come and to feed you. And it's not McDonald's where you can just kind of pick what you want and, you know, hold the tomato and hold the ketchup and stuff. It, it, it's meant to be a buffet, you know, where you come and you partake in the hopes that you'll bring something because God has blessed you in a way that, that, that if you're a part of this body, he wants to use you. And, 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 and I'm blessed because of somebody like Michael administering his gifts. And if he chose not to, there, there just would be a, a, a lacking in, in my spiritual life and in our corporate life because he's not exercising his gifts. And so when he does that, he blesses us. And so if, if you're not in a position where you're, you're uh, doing this, I want to encourage you to. And uh, some people do it uh, really well. And I want to take time to just honor uh, one person who's been doing it really well. And, and you're probably not going to measure up to this person. I don't know if anybody measures up to this person in, in terms of service. Um, but I want to invite Peter Walls to come up real quick. And uh, we're just going to take time to celebrate. It's, it's you know, life is too short to not take time to celebrate. So we're going to celebrate uh, Peter and uh, his willingness to serve. Uh, so many people have taken time uh, to serve, especially with moving over to this new church. Um, but boy, I don't know if anybody has spent as much time here as you have. And so uh, every time I see this guy, unless it's a Sunday morning, he has his tool belt on, and he's going and he's doing something. I was in the nursery last week, and he came in, and he was playing with the thermostat a little bit, and so he knew what was going on there. We had an LT meeting here just late at night, and he was in Maureen's office doing something, and every time I see him talking to Trike, he's like, Trike, I just did this. I just wired this. I got this going, and it's just like so uh, great to see such uh, service in action, and so what I've been preaching on is like it's, it's here, and, and it can be done, and so we just wanted, it's a small thank you, you know, um, just to say thanks. And if you will, you just applaud. Thanks, brother. Thanks for your service. So, uh, much of the stuff that, that we just kind of take for granted is, is coming back to here. And, and he has chosen to use his gifts in a way that has blessed all of us. In many ways, we just we don't realize it. And so I just wanted to thank you uh, for your service. All right. Thanks, brother. 
And so now it's, it's your opportunity, uh, inside or outside the church. We have a service ministry uh, that many people are a part of, and um, we go out and we, you know, we rake leaves for uh, a couple people this fall, and it's just awesome. It's a great time of unity, of growing together with other people. Um, we got to serve a, a guy who had a terminal illness, and it was cool because Matt Palma was there, and he's like a doctor, and so he told us like what to pray for because he knew all the the things that go on with cystic fibrosis and stuff. It was just like, praise God that we had like him there and, and, and we were able to do this. We were able to rake this guy's yard who was totally unable to. Um, but if you, if you would uh, see that as something that you would really desire, we'll have somebody outside in the, in the foyer right on the other side of that wall that you can just sign up. We're going to have a ministry, uh, service ministry meeting in uh, the, the 25th from, right after church from 12 to 1. So that's one way that you can involve. That's where we go outside the church and, and try and get involved. Many of you contributed to the cans of food and clothing. That was fantastic. Uh, you know, CES, Community Emergency Services, was really blessed by the food donations. And HCMC, I brought some clothes over there. And they just said, hold on, we can't take anymore. And I still had like just a boatload to still go over there. And so they were just like, hold on, we need like a week for our volunteers to get at it. I still have some clothes to bring over. So if you're available during the day, and want to move some of those clothes, you can help me. Uh, that's just my thing, so uh, thanks. Um, and then there's four ministries that I want to highlight right now uh, that were highlighted at the ministry fair in the fall, but uh, hospitality, nursery, children's, and hope van. We'll also have people outside, okay? Hospitality, nursery, children's ministry, and uh, hope van. And they're, they're always looking for people, and and. You know, if, if you want to do Hope Van, just a great ministry. Like, I, I did it one week this past fall because Hamlet needed somebody. And it was just, like, it was just sweet. Like you get this giant van, and you just, like, crank the music, and you're driving all around. And, and it's not your car, so you can treat it however you want. And it's just sweet, you know? I just, like, imagine myself getting, like, one of those big magnets and slapping it on the side and being, like, core, Hope Van driver, you know? Just be, there's, there's ways of making service fun and enjoyable. And I think the people of hospitality do that every week. You know, they, they enjoy, you know? It's, it's, it's letting people know where to park and getting people in the door and, and making sure they're uh, comfortable. There's ways. There's ways to serve. And here's the key. Here's the key. This is, this is my uh, thing that I've come to know about Jill and I is that she's like the scheduler. Do you have, you know, if you're in a relationship, you got one person like the scheduler and, and one person that's not. I'm the not. And, uh, and I've found that in order for me to serve, I have to get it on the schedule. Like if, if, if all of a sudden a service opportunity comes up, like this afternoon, it's just like probably not going to happen because I need to have it on the schedule. And, and so if you were to sign up, people will call you and you can get something on the schedule. And then you can work other things around that and make service a priority. Um, and so I want to take another just couple minutes. Michael's going to play uh, just a couple more minutes and see if God would be asking you to get involved in one of, the, one of these areas um, at Hope, to, to let your gifting be experienced by the rest of the body. Just take a couple more minutes and pray about that, if you will.
final story, and then we'll um, close in prayer and invite the worship team forward. I had the opportunity um, last spring to go to a, a conference out in San Diego uh, with Leadership Vision, and that's uh, located in Bethel Seminary. A guy named Brian Schubring is the director of that, and uh, I talked to him on like a Monday, and and, you know, excited with the things they were doing with leadership. And he said, all right, well, come to San Diego this, this Friday. And I was like, okay. So uh, by the grace of God and the provision of my parents, I was able to get to California. And so I spent my time in California. I had to get there early and stay a day late, you know, for price issues. And, and, and so I was there a day early. And I had, you know, no one that I knew, and I just had a phone number, and the phone number that I was called, you know, I couldn't get a hold of the person. I finally did, and she said, somebody will pick you up. And, and so I get picked up by this guy, and he's a construction worker, and he, he loves the Lord with all his heart, and he's, he was just excited. He was just excited to pick me up. You know, he's just excited that I was there in San Diego, and he's excited to tell me about the city and what God's doing. And, and, and he took me to Bethel Seminary, where I uh, met the person I was going to be staying with that night. And uh, I didn't see him, but he invited me to come to a Sunday night gathering, and I'd be in town still. And, and he said, the flood, you've got to go to the flood. Have you ever been to the flood? And I said, no, and he just got to be there. Everybody goes to the flood. Everybody's there. And so um, it's Sunday night, and I'm tired, and the conference is kind of over, and I got, you know, like, like finals that next week, and so I want to get papers done. And, but, but God just led me over there, and it was just awesome. It's, uh, it's, uh, located this, it was located in uh, First Baptist College, First Baptist, First Ave, something church. And uh, you know it? You've been there? Um, and uh, it's right across the street from Bethel Seminary near San Diego State University campus. And they have three services uh, every Sunday night, each having anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 people in it. And so it's just this massive college gathering of students come together. But this guy was there. And he was there selling CDs and T-shirts and hats and stuff that said flood on it. And the, the music band, they like made CDs and they'd sell them and people would buy them. And, and he was just there at the table and he just loved it. And he was just so excited to see me. He's like, oh, you got this flood now. And he just, he'd point me to a seat and, and he's just so pumped up. Well, after, the, after that night, you know, I... Uh, I uh, was talking to him a little bit, and, and I, it occurred to me that I didn't have a ride to the airport. And uh, so <laughs> instead of paying a taxi, I, I came to this guy, and, uh, you know, my newfound friend, and I said, hey, uh, i got to get to the airport. You know, would you be willing to drive me there? And he said, sure, I'd love to, you know. And <laughs> just more enthusiasm than I can ever imagine. I want to go to the airport, you know. <laughs> and uh, so here's, here's the deal. i got to be the airport at, i got to be there. Be in the airport 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning, okay? He's got to pick me up by 5.30 in the morning, okay? He's got to leave his house by 5 in the morning to be able to pick me up at 5.30. He's got to wake up at like 4.15 or 4.30 in the morning. And he's just so excited. He's like, I'll be there. I'll be there. And I'm just like, great, <laughs> you know? But here I went to this leadership conference, you know, and, and some great speakers. Erwin McManus is there who leads a major church in, in L.A. called Mosaic, and, and all these leaders were there. But, man, I was ministered to the, by this guy, you know, willing to wake up at 4.15 in the morning for a guy he just met a couple of days ago and drive and pick him up and then bring him to the airport, and then he goes off to work. You know, he's not going back to sleep. He's getting construction. He's going to be, you know, needs a strength, and so he's going to be working all day. But he wanted to, you know, that... That was his ministry. That was, that was what he did 
for the body, for the sake of that church, is he picked people up from the airport and dropped them off. That was what he did. Very little, but so helpful to somebody like me in my situation. And here's what he said as I'm getting out of the car. I mean, this just, this hits it. He says this to me as he's shaking my hand. I'll never be the one who brings the teaching, but I'll always be the one who brings the teacher. There's a place for you to serve God here at Hope. And it's, it's, it's just the way of Jesus. It's the way of our Savior. I want to invite the worship uh, band back up, and we'll close in prayer right now. Father, you are a God who is worthy and holy and honorable. God, you're worthy of our attention. You're worthy of our time, our energies, our efforts. God, you've gifted us in certain ways for your use that we might share with others your grace, share with others your hospitality, share with others directions on how to find a parking spot and to get into church. God, we want to honor you by serving you, by, by blessing others of the body, by blessing those at our school, at our work, in our family, by serving them with humility, with a bended knee. You did not come to be served, but to serve, to give your life as a ransom for many. God, may that be true of us as individuals and as a church. We may never be the one who brings the teaching for the day, but it doesn't mean we can't bring the teacher. Thanks for this time, God. Thanks for your word. We worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.